what's news this week. Officials downplay the possibility of contamination and urge citizens to continue drinking brown city water. What I'm really trying to say is why is there no respect for player safety? He's a guy who loves to score goals. Of he course. He up all those minutes yeah. and every second he's on the ice, he's looking at the back of the net. Welcome to What's News This Week. I'm Nick Kenya. And I'm Zachary Camp. Today is January 16th, 2016, and in our lineup today, we discuss the TTC Spadina expansion. A Toronto man is coming home after five years in Taliban captivity. The chorus purchase of Shaw's broadcast assets. The falling value of the loony and the ongoing Flint water crisis. And this week in sports, we'll be talking about Josh Donaldson arbitration case with the Blue Jays, the possibility of summer our Raptors making it to the All-Star Game in Toronto, and I've got my Toronto Maple Leafs weekly report along with Alexander Ovechkin joining some lofty company. First off, we have a story about the TTC expansion on the Spadina line. The TTC is asking for another $400 million to complete the Spadina subway extension in order to be completed by the end of 2017. The original cost for the six-station 8.6-kilometer project was estimated to cost just over $2.6 billion, but is now ballooned to $3.18 billion. They are also asking for the additional $400 million to be split 40-60, with $240 million going to the City of Toronto, and the remaining $160 million coming from York Region. So who's to blame for this increase in budget? Well, the TTC says it's because of startup delays, scope and design changes, as well as numerous claims and settlements with contractors. In March, the TTC announced that the project was $150 million over budget and outlined that they needed a project reset to ensure the completion of the subway line by the end of 2017. On Monday, the federal government announced some unexpected good news for one Toronto family. 26-year-old Colin Rutherford will be returning home after five years in captivity by the Taliban. On vacation to Afghanistan in 2010, the U of T graduate was taken captive under suspicion of espionage for the Canadian government. Rutherford's date of arrival has not yet been confirmed as the paperwork is still being finalized. Foreign Affairs Minister Stefan Dion thanked the government of Qatar for their assistance in returning Rutherford home. On Wednesday, Chorus Entertainment agreed to purchase the broadcast assets of Shaw Media for $2.65 billion. The deal will see Chorus pay $1.85 billion in cash and cover the remaining $800 million in shares. The deal results in Shaw owning 39% of Chorus's total assets and Shaw already spent the cash from this deal on his $1.6 billion purchase of Wind Mobile. Pending approval by the CRTC, which already regards Shaw and Chorus as a single entity, this turns Shaw into a competitor for Bell and Rogers in the West. The loony closed this week below 70 cents. That's the lowest it's been in the last 13 years. Partly to blame is the falling benchmark price of oil now at $30 per barrel compared with $60 at its summer peak. The oil sector makes up roughly 10% of the to total Canadian economy. 
The newly elected Liberal government has hinted at moving up the timeline of its campaign promise to spend an additional $60 billion on infrastructure, but only $17.4 billion is scheduled for the Liberals' first term. That could change in March with the release of the federal budget. The Bank of Canada could lower interest rates this Wednesday, making debt more affordable, so those student loans might end up being a little more manageable to start 2016. The ongoing water crisis in Flint, Michigan has officially been declared a federal emergency. President Obama approved Governor Rick Snyder's request to have FEMA, that's the Federal Emergency Management Agency, step in. The municipal government decided to change the city's water supply in early 2014 to save money. Despite immediate signs the city's water was unsafe, officials downplayed the possibility of contamination and urged citizens to continue drinking brown city water. The number of voters calling for Governor Snyder's resignation grows as federal prosecutors begin an investigation into how the situation unfolded. Uh, and that's where it leads into our discussion topic of the day. Uh, for our news stories, uh, I just wanted to discuss this with you for a little bit, Nick. Yep. Earlier in the week, I was watching a great report on Democracy Now! Uh, they had on Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha. Uh, she's from Michigan State University. Uh, she was one of the first people to really break this story and get it through to some mainstream media coverage. Uh, she independently tested the levels uh, of the affected water for Flint citizens. And now she's working with the state government and the governor, Rick Snyder, to help them mitigate the long-term effects that really this disaster is gonna have on its citizens. If you don't know, lead is catastrophic to have in your water supply. It can affect uh, the emotional growth and hormonal growth of children right, who right. are drinking it for years to come. Uh, so, it basically stems from the decision by the municipal city government in Flint to, to try and save money. They took themselves off of the Detroit, Michigan water supply that was costing a little bit more and said, we're just gonna use the water that's flowing through the Flint River right here. They know that river water is more corrosive than uh, Your other forms kinda... of water. Yeah, than like lake water, right. uh, wherever else you're getting it from, ground table water. But, uh, they're, the municipal government also decided not to treat the water. I, I don't understand how they just get away with that. Yeah, it's, it, it essentially comes down to a case of, of criminal negligence. Exactly. And, and like I mentioned in the copy, uh, the justice, federal justice department is now uh, investigating this case, uh, which I think is the right step. That's the only way to move forward, and especially so that these citizens who are going to be affected for the rest of their life because of this very short-sighted yeah. decision, get some kind of remuneration, right. and tr like the government is trying to mitigate these long-term effects that are surely gonna gonna happen. Should we also expect lawsuits coming from uh, families? I would absolutely assume so. I mean, if you're a tax-paying citizen, yeah, and you're paying for the service water of supply. water coming. Yeah. yeah, it's just a basic human right. Like everybody right, yeah. needs water in the United States. Uh, I just don't, I, I don't see why there wouldn't be any grounds to sue. I mean, this is pretty, it seems pretty blatant that this is uh, criminal negligence on the side, on the side exactly. of the city. That's what it sounds like. And it was all to save money in the end. 
You're going to put... You're going to balance saving money with people's lives. Exactly. I think they just kind of thought that nobody would pay attention to this story, maybe. Right. Like, the long-term effects wouldn't be realized. Until later on when Until it's too late. Until later on, and they would get away with it, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, now it's time to move on to a little sports talk. Let's do it. First story in sports, we have... The AL MVP and Toronto Blue Jays third baseman Josh Donaldson filing for arbitration for the second year in a row. Last year, Donaldson made $4.3 billion despite wanting $5.75 in arbitration and is now looking to make almost triple what he made last year. He has asked the Blue Jays for $11.8 million after leading the team to the playoffs and their first playoff series win since 1993. The Blue Jays counter-offered Donaldson uh, at $11.3 million in return. So I'd like to bring in my co-host, Zachary Camp, to talk about this hey, a little bit. Hey, that's me. Yes. <laughs> now, if you do the math, yeah, I'm not a mathematician at all, but the Blue Jays and Donaldson are only $450,000 apart. That's a little ridiculous if you ask me. Yeah, for a player of his caliber to be debating such a small amount of money, small like, amount it's of a no-brainer. Yeah. Bring him back. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that he's a crowd pleaser. Everybody's got a Donaldson jersey now. Like exactly. We wanted him for MVP. He's a jewel of the team. He's he a marquee helped, player. He helped carry the team to the postseason for the first time since 1993. Absolutely. But there's also another side to this story, and it's about the Blue Jays' um, budget for players. They have a lot of money tied up um, that they're hoping to sign Bautista and Encarnacion and also R.A. Dickey and Jesse Chavez, along with Justin Smoke and left fielder Michael Saunders. Mm. So they could potentially be paying $130 million guaranteed to 18 players. So maybe they're looking to save a little money. Yeah, there's a lot MVP. of assets that they could risk losing right, right. in order to lock up Donaldson. Yeah. But is it really going to be four hundred thousand, four hundred fifty thousand dollars that makes that difference? That is that is that is a good point because I don't think it really makes a big difference. But who knows? I understand it, it gets really tough with these kind of negotiations because you have agents fighting for like exactly. what the players exactly. want. It's very cutthroat. And but at the same time, I feel like if you ask the players and said. If you all want to come back and play again together next season and yeah. have like a shot of going to the playoffs, yeah. why like not take a pay take, cut? Well, take $20,000 less, take $100,000 right. here or there yeah. for a few yeah. key players and yeah. be like, are you willing to do this? Right. Uh, I would think that they would want to rather than having yeah. to, in some cases, relocate their families exactly. or even just That's... for the chance of going to the playoffs with the same team again. I always thought about that, especially in the NHL. like. When you have to load off a bunch of players who want to make more money. Absolutely. Why not stick with the team for a chance to win a Stanley Cup? Well, I think just to use that NHL as an example, I mean, you have two different teams that happened recently. After you can examine the Pittsburgh Penguins after they won the Cup, you had players taking a pay cut to stay around. Exactly. And actually, it was the year they went to the playoffs and lost. Right. Then they re-signed, took a pay cut, went back and won the Cup. Yeah. So that was a success story where they knew Mm. they all wanted to stick around. They had the potential to win. 
The opposite side of it is the Chicago Blackhawks. Exactly. After that the, team won the cup. After and their everybody first cup. looked for the most money that they could get, and the team blew up. But somehow they came back. They kept their core intact and won another two more. When you build a team around guys like Tavares Taves. and Taves. Taves, yeah. Taves Tavares and play for them? Islanders. Islanders. Islanders, yeah. Sorry. Taves. But who else was on that team that returned? It was Key. a few marquee guys. You, like you said, they Seabrook, Sharp Seabrook, was yeah. part of that. Yeah. So coming from a Toronto story, we're moving towards another Toronto team. This year's All-Star Game is being held in Toronto. Raptors, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry are currently trailing in votes to become an All-Star in two, uh, 2016. DeRozan sits Six and Lowry in third in voting, respectively. Kyle Lowry is averaging 22 points per game, and DeMar DeRozan averaging 21.4. And they currently lead the Eastern Conference guards in combined scoring. The top two vote-getters will earn a spot on February 14th at the Air Canada Centre. If they are not voted in, the Raptors will have to rely on being named reserves by NBA coaches. Voting for the All-Star Game ends January 18th, and if you're looking to vote, just include the player's name and hashtag NBA vote on any social media site. The Maple Leafs had a tough week. They started off with a 7-0 shellacking from the San Jose Sharks on the road. They followed that up with a 3-1 loss in, uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets at home, along with a 4-1 loss to the, to the defending Stanley Cup champs, which included... A Patrick Kane uh, first ever hat trick in a regular season game. Maple Leafs play tonight against the Boston Bruins in Boston, and they fell to the Bruins three to two. Next week, the Maple Leafs will play the Philadelphia Flyers on the road and will host the Carolina Hurricanes and Montreal Canadiens at the ACC. This week in the NHL, uh, gained a new member of the 500 goal club. It was Washington Capitals captain Alexander Ovechkin. Ovechkin accomplished the milestone on Sunday against the Ottawa Senators during a second-period power play to give the Capitals a 5-1 lead. Burakovsky, sightseeing on the outside, just probing the defense now. Backdoor look, Ovechkin rips, he scores! In a flash! Welcome to the club, number five! for the great eights. You look at all those guys that scored the 500 before him a little bit faster, and you look at Alexander Ovechkin, the era that he's had to do it in, he's 30 years old right now, it's been the hardest era to score goals in with the size of the goaltenders, how good the goaltenders are, how good the coaches are, and the opposition throughout the league, and this guy just continues to impress us every single night. And this is what Alexander Ovechkin had to say about scoring that goal after the game. Uh, I'm happy uh, like uh, I did it, uh, we did it uh, in front of our fans, um, my parents here. Uh, I would say it's sad uh, my parents are just uh, going to come come back here tomorrow. So, uh, But it's a special moment. Uh, you know, all the teammates uh, go to the, come, come, come to the S and uh, congrats me. It's, uh, um, I'm going to remember it for all my life. But Ovechkin wasn't done there as he added goal number 501. Ovechkin was honored before Thursday's game against the Vancouver Canucks. He was given a silver stick along with a video tribute 
that included messages from hockey greats like Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille, Steve Eiserman, Phil Esposito, Timu Solani, and Wade Gretzky. Through 801 games, the Russian sniper becomes the fifth fastest player to reach 500 goals, trailing only Hall of Famers Wayne Gretzky, who did it in 575 games, Mary Lemieux in 605 games, Mike Bossy in 647 games, and Brett Hall in 693. I'd like to bring in Zachary Camp again for a little discussion about Alexander's Alexander Ovechkin's pure goal scoring uh, ability. And I'd like to compare eras in what he plays in now and what greats like Gretzky and Lemieux played in prior to. It's such an interesting comparison to make because Ovechkin is a very different player than Gretzky. Gretzky was a playmaker. That is Ovechkin true. Ovechkin is just like, when you see him play, he's a guy who loves to score goals. Of he course. He eat up all those minutes, yeah. and every second he's on the ice, he's looking at the back of the net. That is very true. That is very true. Two different uh, types of players, of course, yeah. Um, and I'd also like to compare the eras in terms of the skill around him. Ovechkin is playing in an era where scoring scoring is down in the NHL, averaging... goals a game, four goals a game. That is true. That is true. But you have to take into account the overall caliber of players in the league right now. Like, the league when Gretzky's around, even you go back 10 years ago, there were goons on the fourth line, right? It was just enforcer players. Uh, Now you see that less and less in hockey, the role of an enforcer is really not available on the team. Yeah, you can't have a guy... Uh, just there for that role right. like they don't fit into the lineup these days you have to be able to to get a few points in a season yeah, at yeah. least and you also have to look at the goaltending ability back when Gretzky played you look at goaltenders were smaller less skilled less mobile smaller and now pads. you look at big equipment six three six six goaltenders like Ben Bishop is six seven mm-hmm. you look at the quality of goaltending in the NHL and the skill. So it's just amazing to think that Ovechkin has reached 500 goals. Yeah, for sure. It is. And, but I've got to ask, you mentioned that he did miss a year in the 0405 lockout. Yes. He spent some time split in the yeah. KHL right. where he was also playing in the NHL, yeah. right? Um, if he hadn't missed those seasons, would we see him passing Gretzky already? I don't think he scores? can pass Gretzky. I think he could potentially he could have been at 600 already. I know he, he was drafted in 04. There was a lockout in 04, 05. So he went to um, Moscow Dynamo in the KHL scored 13 goals there. Mm-hmm. Um, in his rookie year in 05, 06, he scored 52 goals. That's that insane. And 106 points. I remember that. I, re- I remember that specifically, just being like, wow, this is in your rookie year. And him and Crosby were both rookies yes, in the same exactly. year, right? Yep. So, and you see now, no one is reaching 106 points ever. I think last year, you were lucky if the leading point getter had 90 points. And um, Ovechkin actually missed more time because of the shortened uh, NHL season in 2012-2013, where he missed 
where teams only played 48 games. But Ovechkin put up 32 goals and 56 points. So his skill is quite incredible. And he has a pedigree to um, show for it. Well, yeah, he's just such a creative guy. Like, you put him, like, one-on-one. The highlight reels from Ovechkin alone alone are just different from any other player because he's so focused on scoring goals. Like, the night he scores a 500th career goal, he also gets the 501st. Is anything more Ovechkin? so Ovechkin, yeah. Absolutely. He blows right past 500 goals. exactly. And he's also won the Rocket Richard five times. <laughs> 08, 09, he went back-to-back, then 2013, 14, and 15. That's just incredible. Let's just bow down to the great Russian <laughs> sniper. That he is. is the great eight. Yes, of course. Well, congratulations, Ovechkin, on your 500th career Fabulous. Goal. I can't wait for the thousandth. There's also been something on my mind recently, uh, we were watching the playoffs together last week. Yeah, it was the Bengals, yeah. Steelers, and the hit on on Antonio Brown really caught me going. Yeah, that was the late hit at the end of the game. Uh, obviously, the tide had turned for the Bengals at that point. Players yeah. were getting very frustrated. Yes, yeah. Uh, it really that doesn't excuse the hit that happened. Uh, do you want to explain it, set it up a little bit? Yeah, it, it really grinds... I guess our, both our gears oh, of yeah. um, the lack of respect and safety for players. Antonio Brown went up to catch a ball. It, he didn't even touch the ball at all. And as he's coming down, he gets nailed in the head and is essentially concussed. After play had stopped, clearly. Like he was going for the catch. Yeah, he it had, went over. Did I he have his hand on the ball at I don't know. I, I think it went over his but head. But there was no way it was in his control. Yeah, And the no. player who hit him had to know that. Yes, and... I, I don't know, it just Bengals lost their control. And what I'm really trying to say is why is there no respect for player safety? Yeah, exactly. No respect for players, no respect for their safety. I mean, guys will come in helmet to helmet. I mean, there's an incident um, at the end of the regular season with Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr. where Beckham literally probably ran... 10 yards into Norman head first with his helmet. So that's what I don't understand. And the NFL has not done a good job, not and like haven't done enough to negate these kinds of plays. Well, what was the repercussions that this player faced? Well, he got, a, he got suspended and I believe he got fined as well, but. And that's something now that the NFL is just starting to clamp yeah, down on, right? The thing is you see, a lot of players um, doing the same action after being suspended. This doesn't really, there's no respect. Oh, you get repeat offenders. Yeah, repeat offenders all the time. Um, and I kind of want to talk about the NHL and how, uh, in how they're handling these kinds of uh, hits and head trauma. Yeah. They've really cracked down uh, significantly. You rarely see these plays. That was a few years ago. What was it, the 2012 season when they appointed Brendan Shanahan, the head of interdisciplinary player player safety for the NHL? Yes. And And, uh, he did a fantastic job of making it very serious, right? Of course. It was a a lot about PR at that point for the NHL because players were getting injured. A lot. Uh, You had Crosby. It was almost like an epidemic for head injuries in the NHL. 
Of course. But they really started to give significant consequences to players and not treat it like a joke. Yeah. I mean, they would give out maybe 10 games depending on the uh, player involved, depending on the type of hit. And in the NFL, you see like two games, suspensions, three games, four games. I know that's only four games. It also includes four weeks. But I still would like to see more. What it comes down to is player respect. I mean, that you mentioned exactly it. In the exactly. NHL, they've done a good job of cultivating these uh, respect for players yeah. so that you don't have player-on-player hits, player-on-player violence, where it's yeah. a malicious intent to right. injure. That is and very frowned upon I think that's the in difference the in between the NHL and NFL. NHL, I don't think some of these hits aren't intentional. Mm-hmm. They just happen, some, some of them. Some of them, they are intentional, and you can see that. But in the NFL, it seems like every single hit to the head is made to hurt, is intended to hurt a player. Well, the NFL needs to absolutely take this seriously. They're under a lot of fire right now yeah, for especially uh, concussions with, and head trauma. Especially with that film with Will Smith coming out, or well, exactly. is out now. Exactly. Concussion. It's just surprising that they're not taking it more seriously and doing something to address that uh, culture of lack of respect for other right. players. Right, yeah. So that is what grinds our gears this week on the show. Uh, That's it for this week's edition. Thanks for listening this week. Our next show will be Saturday, January 23rd. And if you missed any episodes, you can listen to them all on SoundCloud and iTunes under What's News This Week. And if you think we missed anything this week, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at WNTWpodcast. And Nick, what's your Twitter handle so the peeps can find you? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm at Kenya Nick. And I am at The Camp Wire. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. See you then.